This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seidman. It's time once again for your weekly wrap-up. I am just about to head off to CES, but we had time to film this wrap-up before we did. So here is what we're talking about. There is a video index down in the video description, so let's get to it. And before we begin, we have some new supporters to thank here on the channel. They include Norman Bradley Willis and Baloo, who contributed via Patreon, and Bald Justice, who became a new YouTube member. I want to thank these folks for signing up to become supporters of the channel. I also want to thank all of you who have been contributing on an ongoing basis and all of you who watch on an ongoing basis too, because all of those things equal channel growth. And this week's wrap-up is being sponsored by Plex, which is my favorite personal media serving software. What I use Plex for is to organize and distribute all of the media that I have personally collected and stored digitally. I have movies from my Blu-ray discs. I've got music from my CDs that I ripped to it. I even have TV shows that I've recorded from my cable system. It's all in one place, and any device in the house with a screen uh, can watch that content, and it will sync up my progress on that content. Uh, So if I started watching something on my phone, it'll pick back up uh, right where I left off on my TV. And the best thing about Plex is that it also works when you're outside the home, So if I wanted to watch Creed on my flight to CES, I can just push the download button here. Plex will automatically make the file smaller for my phone, transfer it over, and I can start watching it offline if I want. It's a great system. It works great for me, and it is my go-to media software for watching most of my personal media. But there's a lot more to Plex now, including some streaming media. That includes podcasts, web shows, including this show, News from your local news stations and international news organizations. You can link up your title subscription account with Plex or sign up for one and get a Plex Pass as part of the deal. And now they've recently added free TV shows and movies from major television and movie studios. You get that stuff for free just for watching an ad or two. And it's a very nice service that is competitive with many of the other advertising-supported video-on-demand sites that are out there. Uh, You can get started with a free account at the link that you see on screen here. If you want to get into more complex Plex applications like transcoding and some of the other higher-end features, you can sign up for a Plex Pass. But there's a lot that you can do for free with Plex, and it's definitely worth checking out at the link you see on screen. So let's take a look now at the week in review. I took last week off, but right when I got back, I did a live stream uh, with my new live streaming series that I've been doing. You can find that at the link you see on screen. Uh, What we did last night was retrofit a switch dock into a portable version uh, with one of these DIY kits that takes all the guts out of the official dock here and puts it into something much smaller that you can travel with. Uh, We're going to have a much shorter version of this as a standalone video very shortly, but if you wanted to watch my workflow, uh, these live streams are a great way to check out uh, how I make my videos, at least how I shoot them. On the Extras channel, we unboxed my wife's new Nintendo Switch Lite that I got for her for Christmas. 
Uh, it's a portable ver- version of the Nintendo Switch, and soon we're going to have a video where I talk about my experiences with having a two-Switch household, and unfortunately, it is not a simple process. We'll talk more about that when I get back from the big show. Now, we had a lot of other videos on the main channel since I took my little break here, at least since the last wrap-up. So we had another unboxing video where we opened up a bunch of new stuff, including an Xbox One X, a combo uh, POE network switch that has a network-attached storage built into it as well. Uh, We looked at running a Shield server for Plex on a low-cost NAS. Uh, We had another in my series of free TV videos. We looked at a new laptop from Lenovo, a two-in-one with the new Intel Iris graphics, really decent graphics performance on that one. And we had my annual retro video where I explored some of the computers I used as a kid and showed you some of the games that I ran on them as well. We even dived into some letters I used to write to computer companies when I was a fourth grader. Lots of fun stuff you can see at the retro video. All the videos we just discussed will be linked down below in the master playlist. And now it's time for some things in the news that caught my eye. And I was very disappointed to see this email from Wise the other day. I've been very fond of this company because they make very low-cost home security and IoT devices. There's no subscription fees with these things. You can get their cameras for like $25. And it's actually a pretty good product. The problem, though, is that between December 4th and December 26th, which is just the other day, Uh, They had a database of customer info that was apparently open and accessible to the world. And this database contained just about every one of Wise's customers, including all of the devices that they are using, along with a bunch of other information. Now, Wise says that the information leaked did not contain passwords, personal financial data, or video content, which is good. But it did contain nicknames, user emails, profile photos, Wi-Fi router names, a limited number of Amazon integration tokens, and other information detailed in the link below. Now, if you're using Wise products, you probably found out that you have to re-log in uh, to Google Assistant and Amazon to get the devices working with your voice assistants, and that's due to this breach. Um, And if you got this email, you are part of it, and I think just about every customer will be getting this email because we're all in it. There's a great write-up on this on the website IPVM, including what the data looked like. So you can check out this article linked here on screen, and you can get more information about it. Apparently, Wise had no idea this was leaked until uh, the data started showing up in places. I guess there was a security firm that discovered this and started communicating out to folks that this was a problem. And again, you can get more information here at the link on screen. Uh, This is why you really need to make sure you do not use the same username and password combination on multiple websites or services. I'm a broken record on this, but you really got to change your passwords and make them different for every site. Get a password manager if you have to, because this is the kind of stuff that's going to continue happening. It's just too hard with these complex systems for us to rely on these companies to keep us safe. We have to take some action to do that. Uh, So we talked at the last wrap-up about Ring and how people were logging into Ring cameras because people use the same username and password combo in multiple places. Guess what will happen next? It's all going to be about WISE because now uh, people looking to exploit these cameras or at least wreak some havoc will know the email address and nickname combo, and they can just go to some of these dark web databases that have these combinations from other hacks and begin testing the waters to see what they can get into. So change your password 
And WISE does have a multi-factor authentication, and I would suggest turning that on as well. I'm very disappointed here because I have been very fond of this company and its products, but they definitely screwed up here. Uh, they're blaming an employee who did this, uh, but nonetheless, it shows that they didn't have the right kind of security auditing practices in place uh, because one employee should not be able to give away all of the data like this one did, even if it was inadvertently. So we'll see what happens next. I'm sure somebody at WISE lost their job over this, and we'll keep an eye on any repercussions in the coming weeks. Now, of course, this is CES week, and we'll be at the show. In fact, I am packing up right after I finish this video to get over to Las Vegas. Uh, there will be two of us on the show floor, and that is it. So we have to be very efficient as to how we approach things. And there are, thankfully, a lot of great events we'll be going to that uh, should give us a really good overview of some of the new things that will be released a little later this year. Uh, so Sunday night when we get in, which is yesterday, uh, we will be going to CES Unveiled, which is a show where they've got, again, a lot of companies in one place. We can go from table to table and kind of see what's out there. Uh, Monday night, which is a day before the show opens, which is happening probably around the time you're watching this video, is my one of my favorite events of the show called Pepcom. And there, there are usually several hundred companies in one room, and we usually get a full video out of that event alone. We find so much stuff there. A lot of the big brands will be there in addition to a lot of smaller ones, and that one's always a good stop for us. So we'll be heading over to Pepcom on Monday night. And those two events will likely be Dispatch Video number one. Uh, Dispatch two will come from Eureka Park, which is where we'll be going on the first official day of CES. Uh, that one is over at the Sands Convention Center and has all of the scrappy startups. And we usually find a lot of the hidden gems of the show there. Uh, so we'll be definitely spending a lot of time all day Tuesday uh, just running around Eureka Park to see some of the cool and interesting and new things that we might find. And the last day that we're at CES, which will be Wednesday, uh, we'll go to the main show floor and kind of look around there and see what we can find uh, with all the big name brands that everyone else is covering too. So I would love to get from you, especially for the big brands, some of the stuff that you're interested in, and I'll try to go find some of that while we're out there. You can let me know uh, down in the comment stream, and I'll keep an eye on that as we are wandering around Las Vegas trying to collect content. So it's been good. I think it's a good plan. We've been doing this now. This is my fourth or fifth CES, so I kind of know what to expect now. I know where the good stuff is. Uh, so we'll just be doing that again and hopefully give you uh, three good dispatch videos. In addition to that, I will be sitting down with Plex. We should be able to do an interview with them while we're out there. So that'll be another piece of content. And we have a new sponsor this year for CES content, which is ARM. Now, ARM is the company that develops the ARM processor. And then they license out uh, their IP to other chip makers. So just about every mobile phone out there has an ARM-based processor in it, in addition to most of the IoT devices in the world as well. And they are really eager to talk about the artificial intelligence developments that they have made with their chips. And so what we'll be doing as standalone videos, we'll be looking at a few of the artificial intelligence devices powered by ARM technology, and those will be sponsored videos that will be outside of the dispatch stuff. So the dispatches at the moment uh, look like they'll be sponsor-free, and then we'll have these ARM videos standalone kind of in between dispatches as we're running around. So be on the lookout for all of that stuff. It'll be a lot of fun. Now, you might be wondering about our annual interview with the uh, Silicon Dust CEO. Silicon Dust, of course, sponsored the last three or four visits to CES, and they 
are also a sponsor here on the channel for other things. They make the HD home run uh, tuner devices. They are not exhibiting at CES this year. They just moved their corporate headquarters from one state to another, and they're getting caught up with that. Uh, so we will catch up with them later in the year. There's no issues here. They're just not going to be at the show, and I can't interview them if they're not there. So that is uh, the game plan for CES, and I hope to find a lot of cool stuff, and we always do, and we'll be presenting all of that to you as time and bandwidth allow. Uh, so hopefully the first dispatch will be up by Wednesday, and if I can get it up sooner, I will. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, we might post those a little earlier in the day than we typically do. Basically, it's going to revolve around my schedule. And if we can get the videos up in the morning, we will. If not, they'll go up in the evening. But they'll be there. And please watch them because there's a lot of time, effort, and expense that goes into covering this crazy show that I enjoy going to every year. And now it's time for a Q&A from you, the viewers. And I got a lot of good stuff on the Facebook group over the last couple of weeks. So uh, we're going to be looking at some questions and discussions that popped up there. Uh, Nick Johnson was wondering about finding content across all of these free streaming services. Is there a good search engine for it? And I haven't found anything completely inclusive of all services, but one that I did find was Just Watch. Let's take a look and see how it works. So here we are on the Just Watch homepage, and if we do a search for Hell's Kitchen, which is something that I've seen on just about every one of these free services... Uh, you can see it pulls up a list of where we can find the show, including 2B, Voodoo, and the Roku channel, which of course are all free services. Uh, Popcorn Flicks is here along with Hulu and Prime Video. If I wanted to watch the show, I could click on the icon for the service that I'm eager to watch it on. So if I click on 2B here, you can see it will bring me uh, right over to the right section of 2B to watch the show. And in many cases, it'll start streaming it but it doesn't have Pluto and a few other services. So although it's very inclusive, it's not fully inclusive, but it can also find stuff that uh, is on your subscription services too. So if I type in Star Wars, for example, it'll show me everywhere I can stream it from and where I can buy it from. If I look for Stranger Things, we should be able to see that on Netflix. And I think the show now can be purchased in a few different things, so maybe not yet, uh, but you can get an idea as to how it works for more premium content. So it looks like a pretty decent search engine, uh, but it, again, not totally inclusive. And in my Q&A for you this week, I would love to know if any of you have found a better search engine than the one we just looked at. Just Watch seems to be the best, but not perfect. And I would love to know if there's something out there that you're using that other viewers could benefit from. Let me know down in the comment stream. And Travis Rhodes, also in the Facebook group, created a poll that really surprised me in its results, which was asking you all which was your preferred way to consume movies. And it looks like a small majority of you prefer to stream them, even if some of the quality is lost to compression. A smaller number of you preferred having physical media. And this kind of surprised me, given that we talk a lot about home theater and Plex and preserving you know, these Blu-ray rips at their optimal quality. But it looks like most of you prefer the convenience. Now, again, this is a pretty close result. It's not everyone because uh, the Facebook group has well over 700 members now. Uh, so I would love for you all to jump into that Facebook group and offer your thoughts, too, because this really was surprising to see that, uh, again, a majority here that responded to the poll really do prefer to stream versus uh, have the physical media. Now, also on the Facebook group, Stephanie McKeon posted her thoughts on the best products of the last 10 years, uh, and she posted this on the last day of the 2010s. 
Uh, for her, it was the iPad, which I would agree with. That was really a transformative product. It wasn't the first tablet, but it was the first tablet that I think a large number of consumers actually wanted to own. And as we look at the state of the tablet industry in 2019 and 2020, it's one of the few tablets that people actually want to buy. Uh, it's certainly the market leader, although Amazon is up there as well because they offer a very low-cost tablet that for some folks is enough. But really, the iPad, I think, was a very transformative product that made a tablet something, again, that people wanted to use. I don't use my iPads as much as I used to, but my kids certainly use them quite a bit. Uh, for my mom, it's really the only computer she uses these days. She occasionally jumps on her Chromebook, but for the most part, uh, the iPad is it. And I think it's definitely something that deserves a place in the list of the top products of the last 10 years. I would also, though, put Chromebooks in that bracket because this has dramatically transformed education. Uh, being able to bring the cost on laptops down to where they are has enabled many school districts now to give a computer out to every child in these one-to-one -one programs. And that's a big deal uh, because I think it brings computers to people that couldn't always afford them in the past and be able to uh, do a lot with them. And it's really a pretty amazing operating system. The cost is very minimal. And from an education standpoint, this has been a transformative product that has put a lot of computing power into the hands, again, of people that may not have been able to afford it in the past. So I think Chromebooks certainly are up there on the list. Uh, my friend Nick Caruso responded on that forum as well, and he said the Amazon Echo and, of course, the A-word to uh, access it. I would add to that smart home technology, namely how it integrated so well with the three big ones. I have a bunch of HomeKit-enabled door locks in my house, and I think it's awesome that I can take the dog out for a walk, lock the door, not take my keys with me, and as I'm walking back to the house, I can just lift my watch up to my uh, mouth here and just say, unlock the front door, and I can get in the house. I just did it, actually. Uh, uh, and it's really transformative for me to be able to do that. I think it's really cool. And what's nice is that uh, all the locks in my house are different brands, but they're all integrating into HomeKit just the same. And I think that's the kind of thing that's making smart home technology works is that we have Amazon, Google, and Apple coming up with standards that seem to work really well. And I've been really happy with the fact that I can use multiple assistants with the same devices too. So I can have my Google unlock a lock if I want or have that same lock unlock with Apple. It's my choice and I can use both at the same time. I think we've seen a lot in smart home and I think we'll see a lot more uh, coming up in the next couple of years and hopefully uh, security will stay somewhat okay. Uh, Fabian Gorilla says that the Switch Lite is his go-to retro gaming handheld. And I would say the Switch overall as a platform certainly is one of the best products of the last 10 years. I use it quite a bit. It's probably the perfect console for a dad because you can pick it up, play with it for a few minutes, and then toss it aside and uh, deal with whatever family issues are popping up. Uh, you can plug it into your TV, of course, and get a decent gameplay experience there. Uh, Nintendo, of course, are the masters of making fun and family-accessible games, and I am playing with my Switch much more than my Xbox, and I really, really liked what Nintendo did here by making such a friendly uh, hybrid, essentially, of a handheld and a uh, console system. And even though it doesn't have all the horsepower that our Xboxes and Playstations have, it's enough, and it's really quite a product. I think we'll probably see Nintendo up the hardware in the next couple of years and stick to this concept. And it doesn't look like Sony and Microsoft are going in this direction of the handheld. So I think Nintendo is going to have a nice niche for itself 
uh, as the decade uh, begins here. So good stuff there. And related to that, some things that were developed in the last decade have gotten better and more usable in this one. Namely, a lot of the set-top boxes like the Roku's, our NVIDIA Shields, the Apple TV, uh, all of those devices have really come into their own in this decade. And we've seen, of course, the streaming services to go with them. And it's really interesting to see how different things interact and create these services. So, for example, you couldn't have a Disney Plus or a Netflix without the Roku to start, right? And you couldn't have the Roku streaming these services without broadband becoming faster in this decade to provide those services to homes. And all those things working together over the last 10 years have really changed the media landscape significantly. Uh, Very few people were earning a living on YouTube 10 years ago, but many more are now. And this is just an example of how uh, different technologies come together to uh, create new economies. And this was a good point that Joshua Dullard made uh, in that discussion. Uh, Added to this, I do think the LG OLED TVs that are out there, which are my favorites, really do deserve a place here in this discussion because I have never been happier with a TV than I've been with my LG OLED upstairs. I'm on my second year with that set. Every time I turn it on and watch something, I just say to myself, I love this TV. And it's rare that there's a product that I love for so long because I get bored quickly. Uh, That one's really been a great, great purchase and I'm very, very happy with it uh, two years later. I had a 4K TV also from LG before I bought the OLED. I kind of bought one of these end of the year deals on it and I was never happy with the backlighting on it. It was always just kind of cloudy and just, and that OLED is just amazing. And once you see one and, and watch something on it, you will never want anything else. It's just a tremendously good picture. And related to that, of course, I think the development of Ultra HD Blu-ray, all of the HDR formats that go on those Blu-rays, which can then be displayed on the TV, uh, the Atmos Audio. There's just so much good stuff that really came into its own in this last decade that I think deserves mentioning here, especially in the home theater area. Uh, And Elizabeth here also brings up just how great smartphone cameras have become. Uh, She has a Sony RX100, which is a great point-and-shoot camera, but it's not as good as her phone is. And I reviewed a Sony RX100, the latest edition of it on Amazon, and I was giving some advice to consumers about the fact that when you take a picture with that Sony camera, it's not going to look as good as your flagship phone is going to look because the phones now are doing so much computational photography to make that picture look good after it's taken that these uh, cameras that you can buy for big money don't do. And if you're a professional photographer, that's probably a good thing. But I think for most consumers, uh, the facts are that the a decent smartphone, not even the best smartphone, uh, will easily best a standalone point-and-shoot camera. And I've been really amazed by just how much better these cameras have gotten over the last 10 years to the point now you can shoot 4K, 60 frames per second video on a smartphone is just remarkable. Uh, That Sony RX100 can shoot 4K video at 30 frames per second, but it gets so hot that it can't take more than five minutes of video without shutting down. And that's a $1,000 camera. So we're really in a golden era of smartphone technology. And although the smartphone did not come out in the last 10 years, I think they've really matured to a point where they're just amazing now in 2019. Uh, Of course, I have to talk about VR. 
And I think the Oculus Quest is probably the best example of a VR implementation in this decade, uh, now that it offers both PC uh, and standalone functionality, just a tremendously uh, neat piece of technology. And I'd love to see what Oculus does next now that they've got something that people are finally interested in in this VR space. Uh, so we'll see where this goes in the next decade or so. But this remains one of my favorite products of the last 10 years. Now, I'm sure a few of you are going to roll your eyes at this one, but I have to say the Apple Watch and the AirPods are really some of the best products for me over the last 10 years, primarily because I use them every day and they've become part of my life workflow. Um, so the Apple Watch in particular has been great for fitness tracking, uh, for timekeeping, of course. And yes, Fitbits and other devices can do that. Uh, but the Apple Watch does a few things better. I like the fact that it has the EKG for tracking AFib. That's useful. Apple Pay has been really useful for me. I use it all the time. And every place I go that's got Apple Pay, I don't have to take my credit card out. If there's a security breach at the place that I'm buying stuff from, I am clear because that card number doesn't work anywhere but at that terminal. I can use it now in the New York City subway system. When I'm in New York, I can just walk up and dip, and I'm on the train. Uh, and yes, you can use other tap-to-pay things with the New York City subway and all these other terminals, but there's something about just having a watch that you can just do that with and uh, pay and be on your way is really a, a life-changing convenience, I think. And I've really been very, very pleased with the Apple Watch. Uh, when I first got the Apple Watch, we were dealing with infants in the house, so being able to communicate with phone calls and text messages just with the wrist was really uh, helpful. Uh, so all those different things have added to my quality of life, and that's why I think the Apple Watch deserves a place on this list. Uh, the AirPods have also become something that I use constantly. Uh, they don't fall out of my ears. They work great. There's really a surprising amount of range that you get out of these things, and it's the best pair of Bluetooth headphones I have ever owned, and it really integrates well with all of the other Apple products that I use, too, and it's just a great product. I did not get the Pro Edition, uh, primarily because I don't like in-ear headphones. They never fit me right, and they're very uncomfortable to me, uh, so this ear EarPod design or earbud design for me works great, and I'm very, very happy with both of these products. Another thing worth mentioning is the development of real-time video processing. Uh, and I'm going to put on these three items. OBS, which is a tremendously powerful, free, open-source software for video production, both live streaming and recording. It's amazing what it can do. And I'm amazed by what you can do with a fairly low-end Intel chip. Now, on the slide here, I've got an Intel i7, but you could get some stuff done even with a recent i3 chip on OBS. What Intel has been doing inside of their chips for video processing is just nothing short of remarkable. And again, just about any mid-range laptop can do a lot of what my very expensive TriCaster can do. And I think that is a significant uh, development over the last decade. Along with that, NDI technology is another thing that I would add to the list, uh, which is something that was developed by the people that make the TriCaster, but they've opened it up to the entire industry. And what this lets you do is capture video over your network as opposed to having capture cards all over the place. And it's really dramatically changed my production workflow. And you can imagine a scenario like a college campus or a high school where any network jack can become a video input source and you can bring in live footage from all over your campus and then have central control running with OBS and you've got yourself a TV station uh, for pretty much just the cost of the computing hardware. We're in a really fun time for uh, communicating out to the world and although there's a lot of pitfalls with 
social media, the fact that so many voices have these amazing tools pretty much for free available to them, I think is remarkable and will become one of the things that we look at when we start investigating the social changes that have happened in the 21st century, and these tools are certainly part of that. Now, one other thing I think is worth mentioning is the development of FPGA-based devices. I'm thinking about Mr. and some of the analog consoles that have come out. These are more niche devices, but still we're seeing very powerful hardware getting affordable. And I think as we start looking at the decade to come, we'll probably see more FPGAs making their way into products given the fact that the price on these is dropping dramatically and it gives manufacturers the ability to adjust how hardware works uh, with just a simple update in software. So we'll have to keep our eye on this as the decade commences here, but I think the things that you're seeing, again, in some of the niche areas of retro gaming will begin to work their way into other products and uh, what's been done with them, primarily with the open source community and, of course, Kevtris on the analog consoles, I think will be the start of something more in the industry. So stay tuned on FPGA developments. We're going to be seeing this technology work its way into a lot of other things beyond retro gear. So this was a fun discussion to have on the Facebook group. And of course, those discussions are never over. So hop on in there and offer your thoughts. Maybe I missed something. And if I did, we'll talk about it next time uh, when I get back from CES. So this week on the channel, of course, we'll be heading out to CES. That will dominate a majority of the coverage. I do have two videos in the hopper. One of them might show up before this wrap-up does, so be on the lookout for that. It'll likely be a review of a mini PC from Lenovo that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, or at least shot a couple of weeks ago, so that is on the way. And then, of course, we'll also have the video on the Switch dock that I put together the other night. Uh, so that's another thing to look forward to, and I'm sure I'll pick up a bunch of stuff at CES to review, and I've got a pile of things that are just waiting for me to get to as well. So we're going to have a very busy start to the year here, uh, but that's how I like it. Now, if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution to the channel. We also support the YouTube membership program, so you can click the Join button, get a nice little icon next to your name that'll appear in chat and on live streams and everything else. So that's something you can do as well to help us. Uh, of course, Plex is our sponsor this week, but we also have an affiliate relationship with them. So if you sign up for a free Plex account to get access to their web shows and uh, movies and TV and whatnot, you can sign up without a credit card, and we will get a small commission for that. We also get a slightly larger commission if you sign up for their Plex Pass or gift it to somebody else. We have a number of other channels that you can find us on, including the Extras channel for unboxings and supplementary content. The podcast has this show in audio format that you can download through your favorite podcasting application. We have the Snippets channel where you can find uh, portions of this show broken out into smaller pieces, and that is also on YouTube on a different channel. Uh, we have live streams at lon.tv slash live streams, which is an archive of every live stream I've done. I'm doing a lot more now because we're also simulcasting to Amazon Shopping, uh, so that is why we're doing all these live streams, and you can find that Amazon Shopping link uh, down there below, lon.tv slash Amazon Shop, and you can follow me on Amazon in addition to YouTube. Uh, if you do follow me on YouTube, though, definitely hit the bell. You can be notified when I do pop on live. 
I don't usually schedule live streams. I just kind of show up. And we're going to try to do one from CES after we get a bulk of our content collected. So that's something I'm looking forward to trying. Uh, So definitely click the bell because I have no idea when we're going to do it. Uh, So be on the lookout for that. Uh, You can engage with the channel by going to my email list at lon.tv slash email. We have the Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook. The Facebook group, which is where you'll want to go in to have some more discussions on our topics from today, can be found at lon.tv slash Facebook group. You just have to answer a couple of questions to get in. I usually approve you pretty quickly after that, and then you're part of that community. We're almost to 800 people now, which is awesome. So join us. We'd love to have you there. And then, of course, we have the store where I sell previously used items. Uh, Many of them we reviewed here on the channel, and you can get alerted every time I add a new item to the store at this email list on screen here. And that is going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. Thank you all for tuning in, and thank you all for your support. I am looking forward to CES, and I'm eager to uh, show you what I find out there. Again, if there's anything you want to see, let me know down in the comment section. I'll try to get to it. No promises, but if we're in an area where we can collect things that you, the viewers, want to see, we'll certainly go out and do that. And that is going to do it for now. We'll be back with a wrap-up in one week from today. Uh, So next Monday, we'll have another wrap-up, and it doesn't look like CES will be disrupting the wrap-up process at all because I managed to get this one done before I left. Awesome stuff. Again, we'll see you from Las Vegas. Until next time, this is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including gold-level supporters, the Four Guys with Quarters podcast, Tom Albrecht, Rajesh, Logic GR and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.